praying about our, our senior adult ministries. And uh, I had it in my heart, and I knew that the Lord was speaking something, but I, I laid it before the Lord and before Brother Jones. And they were in Oklahoma pastoring a, a wonderful church there. We've been connected to them for many years. If you might remember, there was a tornado went through their area there, and, and um, we we joined our churches together. We tried to help them as many others did. And we've just always been connected to Oklahoma, the Southern Hills Church of God. And I pointed out that it was hilarious because as connected as we as all, we've always been, their website address was shcog.org, and ours is shcog.com. So it's, it's just interesting that through the years, you know, and boy, we're so thankful that they allowed us um, to take their grandchildren and to take their children um, and entrusted us with them and their ministries. As you know, this is Cameron, uh, Cameron and Whitney, and then Jamie and Brian Bales. This is their parents, and so we're excited to announce to you today that our, the new senior adult pastors for the Stratford Heights Church of God beginning today uh, officially uh, this last week he's been working but um, Pastor James and Beverly Jones have joined our staff today if they'd stand and come up we officially give them a Stratford Heights Church of God welcome Bless you. Love you. We're so excited that they have joined us. Our staff is excited. Everybody's been happy. We have been just all week long. He came to our staff meeting this last week, and he's 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 a cut up. He has funny line one liners. It's really awesome to see the laughter and to also have the experience. They have pastored forty five years. And they have had all of that kind of experience that they bring uh, to work with us alongside of our team. And so we're thankful for that. Look forward to a wonderful year of ministry to our seniors and how they're going to be working together with some of our other staff members that have joined that team. And everyone's going to be coming together to, I believe, give us excellence. As we sang that song, the Lord is excellent. Now, how many of you know I believe he wants us to be excellent at what we do? The Bible says in Colossians, it says, whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord, not unto men. So we are putting our best foot forward. We're excited that God has brought them to us, that God laid it on their hearts to come and join us. Uh, they had a few good reasons, but I love the fact that in my first conversation with Pastor Jones, he said, you know, even if our kids moved away, he said, I felt that God was bringing us to ministry at Stratford Heights Church. So I'm excited about that. I want him to greet you, and um, I would invite Sister Jones to do that, but she says, I'm kind of quiet. <laughs> She's mic shy, but believe me, she can talk and express herself and make her wishes known, so to speak. I don't want to take a long time right now, but something comes to me, Pastor. I don't know if I could say it without crying, really, but some time ago before... Jamie and Brian were married, I had a dream that the Lord was going to send us to Ohio wow. to pastor. This was before they were even married. And I couldn't, when I woke up, I couldn't remember the name of the town God was going to send us to. And so just recently, I thought about that, that we are here in Ohio, just like the Lord allowed us to dream. So it's a dream come true for us, and we thank the Lord for that. That's awesome. Very good. Thank you. I'm going to ask them to step into the altar if they would. I'm going to give you an opportunity and us to pray with them today. But I want to also invite you, I think Richard mentioned that immediately after service, we're going to escort them out into the atrium across from the cafe where we want you to come by and shake their hand and hug their neck and introduce yourself to them and, and welcome them, Stratford Heights official. And uh, want us to, to put that best foot forward and welcome them into our team. I'd ask all of the pastors, if they would, to come. Uh, if you're part of the senior ministries and, and you would come and help us pray, please do that. We want to, uh, to ask the Lord to be with them. Why don't you stretch your hands towards this altar right now? Father, as we come before you this morning, 
Lord, we thank you for the privilege and the opportunity we have to work with Brother and Sister Jones. We thank you for sending them to us, for dropping that down inside their heart. We believe, Lord, that they're part of your plan for the kingdom work here at Middletown. Let the power of the Holy Spirit anoint them. Go before them, order their steps, and as they join the team, Lord, we thank you for your work that's going to be accomplished for the kingdom of God. Let many souls be saved, let hearts be ministered to, and let the work of God go forward in great anointing and power. We ask this today in the special name, the wonderful matchless name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Amen. 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 One more time, why don't you help me to welcome them? Won't you stand with me this morning? This morning we begin a brand new series. It's called One Church. As you know, back in uh, October, November, and then I think towards the 1st of December, I mentioned to you that the Lord had dropped down inside my heart a theme for this coming 2018 year. And it was souls and servants. And the souls, the Lord directed it towards the prodigals. And we've been preaching many messages on the prodigal. And praise God, we've been seeing prodigals come home. We've been seeing the answer to those prayers, and we've still got plenty more to see. And we're looking this year for there to be a great influx of prodigal sons and daughters coming back into the fold, those that have been raised and trained up in God, and also looking for God to give us the lost in our city, in our community, looking for souls. But we're also looking for servants. And that's part of what God has been dealing with me about it, the church. And I've got a message, our first message today is one church, a blueprint. And I want to look at what God has to say about the church. What is it that makes a church great? If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 16. I'm going to read starting with verse 13. It's a familiar passage of scripture, but it gives us insight into where we're going to go today. Matthew 16 and verse 13. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Then he said something to them. And this is like, it's really kind of hit me like a ton of bricks, Elaine when I started thinking about what what the Lord was doing right here. He was establishing something with his disciples. Up to this point, they had been fishermen who were following Christ. They They were part of the group, and they were, you know, following along. They belonged to the Lord. But right here, right now, was where the crossroads of their faith, where they were making a declaration of their belief. And listen to what... Peter said, when Jesus looked at them and he said, but who do you say that I am? So important. That's the question, isn't it? That is the question. Every one of us have to, we have to answer. I know what they say. I know what the world says, but what do you say? Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter. He was saying, you are Peter, and your name means Cephas. It means rock, a a small rock. But on this rock, this confession, this declaration of truth that you just made, that I am the Christ, I'm the Son of the living God, he says, On this rock, this bedrock of truth, I will build my church. Amen. You say amen. And I love this part. He throws this in. I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And he goes on, amen. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth 
will be loosed in heaven. I don't think you realize, not one minute, what we're supposed to be. I don't yet think that it is, the revelation has sunk into most of Christendom today of what Jesus intended when he said, I will build my church. I want to be his church, don't you? I want to be his church. Father, we ask your blessings on the word of God. Touch our hearts, challenge us, speak to us. And Lord, may we be the church that you are building. In Christ's name we pray, amen. You can be seated. What makes a great church? We hear that expression a lot. Oh man, yeah, that's a great church. Oh yeah, I saw a hashtag on somebody's social media not long ago. It said, hashtag greatest church ever. And when I read that, I looked at it and, and I just, I thought, what makes a great church? What is it that makes a church great? Is it bigness? A large church? Is that what does it? I thought, no, that, that can't be it because there have been many large, big churches that are not so great. But then there has also been small churches that have been fantastic. They've been great. So we know that that isn't the gauge. That's not the measure as to what makes a great church. Is it a famous pastor? A famous pastor who travels in a Learjet all around the world, given tremendous opportunities to, to minister. And I, I find that to be so, what a blessing that is for them. And a great opportunity to preach the gospel. But, but is that what makes their church great? Is that what it is? No, I don't think so. I don't think the radio appearances and the TV and the books, and I don't think that's what makes a church great. Maybe it's a huge building, a large sanctuary. No. Maybe it's the number of programs. They're mission-minded, community-minded. They focus on this type of ministry versus that type of ministry. It's a particular style of worship. I don't think so. I actually don't think it's any of those things. While some great churches have all of those things. And some great churches have a few of those things. There's something else that defines the measure of what is a great church. Today we start a series. The series is probably going to go for several weeks because it's about the servants part of our theme for the year. It's about us looking at who we are and what we're to be as a church and as the body of Christ. So it's probably going to take us a little while to get through that because we're going to unpack it slowly. And I'm not going to try to rush and put 30 pages in one sermon. I'm going to try to spread it out a little bit so that we can really relish in what God is speaking to us so that it will make an eternal difference. There are many, many, many churches. Churches literally on every corner. In, Miami, or in Middletown here, churches are everywhere. You can find them as you go down the street. They're on either side, diagonal from each other. They're, they're everywhere. We know some churches even believe that they are the one true church. I was in a conversation with a family member not too long ago that they were talking about the fact that they were part of the, uh, they were the original church and that they are the true church. And I was like, oh, really? Awesome. That's really cool. I don't believe that. I don't believe that there is a denomination. I don't believe that there is a man-made church that's the true church. I believe that inside churches, inside many different types of churches, there is what we know as the true church. The true church. I do believe in a true church, but I don't believe it's been built by famous preachers, particular denominations or non-denominations, independents or or, or Baptists or Pentecostals or Presbyterians. I don't believe that any of those people are in the running for the perfect, true church. As a matter of fact, I don't believe it's programs, buildings, or attendance that defines that. I really believe it's about changing the question altogether. Changing the question altogether. Not what makes a great church, but 
The true question is this. Are we, are we the church that Jesus is building? The one that he determined would be built on the rock. Are we that church? That's, it's plagued my mind. It's, it's been something I've been praying about, thinking about it. And it's the heart desire that I have. Are we the church today, Stratford Heights, Clayton Street, Harlem Park, are we 103 years old, are we the church Jesus intended? That afternoon when Peter jumped up around the fire and they were talking about who Jesus was and Jesus said, well, who do, who, who do they say that I am? What do men, who do, what do men say that I am? Who, who does the world say that I am? Well, some say you're Elijah, some say you're Jeremiah, some say you're John the Baptist, some say you're this, you're that. Then Jesus said something so beautiful, he looked right into their eyes and he said, who do you say that I am? Because that ultimately is the most important question that you and I can answer. It's the question that every man, woman, boy and girl, every teenager, every, every kid or young person sitting in this sanctuary today, everybody from the left to the right, every one of us are going to stand before God, all of us. Not just mom and dad and not just granny and grandpa. No, everybody, everybody is going to stand before the Lord. And everyone, according to the scripture, you, sir, you, ma'am, everybody is going to bow a knee and admit that Jesus Christ is Lord. The question is, will you do it now or will you do it later? Will you do it now? Will you accept him now? Will you become a child of God now? Or will you do it under compulsion later when you are made to do it? You decide. But what we're wanting to know for our purposes today is is this the church that he intended, when Peter jumped up and said, when he said, who do you say that I am, guys? Peter jumped up, having a, I like to call it a Pentecostal moment. I kind of thought they were having a camp meeting moment. Because there ain't no way he just went, oh, well, I think that you are the Christ. I mean, Jesus is not going to look at him and say, blessed are you, Simon. Blessed are you, Simon. For well, flesh and bone is not revealed that to you, but my Father which is, which is in heaven. He wouldn't dare respond with those words like that if Peter was just like, well, I was thinking the other day that perhaps you were the Son of God. No. He, Peter looked at him in his eyes when he said, who do you say that I am? And immediately he went back over all the conversations and all the miracles and all the things that he'd seen. And he said, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus immediately looked at him. He said, blessed are you, Simon, or Jonah. For flesh and blood has not revealed that to you, but my father which is in heaven. And Peter, Peter, your name means rock. On this bedrock of truth that you just declared, that you just made confession of. This revelation that came straight from heaven and out your mouth. That's what I'm going to build my church on. And when I have built a church on the fact that I'm the chief cornerstone. That I'm the king of kings, the lord of lords, the son of the living God. When I... When I build my church, the very gates of hell will try to come against it, will try to attack, but they will not prevail. And because you have been built on a solid foundation that hell itself cannot touch, I will give you the keys to the kingdom. And whatever you bind on earth that will be bound in heaven, Whatever you loose on earth, it'll be loosed in heaven. Do you realize if we will get a hold of the truth of being the church, not the church of God, not being another uh, building, a facility, another program, a particular style of music, if we would just get 
in line with what God is speaking here. And we truly understood that we are the church of the living God. And that we belong to the king of all kings and the master builder, the universe at his disposal. That God as lead over our church means anything is possible. And this city can be easily turned upside down. We can make such a mark in this city for the kingdom of God. I don't want to leave a mark for Cleveland, Tennessee. I want to leave a mark for Jerusalem, the new Jerusalem. Heaven come down to earth. That's what I want. I want to leave a mark in this city that says we're not known for our programs, that we're not known for our music, that we're not known for our famous preacher. We're not known, which that's a joke. But we're not known for those things. I want people lost and dying, walking the alleys and the back roads of Middletown in this community to say, if you're looking for God, get up to Nelson Road. I heard he was there this morning, and he's on his way today. That is what I want. But we've got to ask some hard questions. We have to ask some very difficult and hard questions. Lord, do we Look like that church that you were so emphatic about that afternoon? Are we that church, Lord? Are we the church that's built on the foundation that the enemy himself cannot touch? Are we covered? Are we, when you look down at Stratford Heights in Middletown, Ohio, are you pleased with us? Like I said, that's, that's plaguing me. It's what I'm praying about. It's what I'm seeking God for. For the minor, I want it to happen. I, I don't know that we're there. I, I, don't, I, I can't honestly say. I wish I could get up and say, well, praise God. The Lord spoke to me this morning, Marty, and we are that church. I believe with all my heart that God is looking in on us. I believe that we're pleasing him. I believe that he's happy with answers to prayers. I, I believe there's been enough fruit in our labor that we've seen souls saved and people healed and people coming to the Lord. I believe that there's enough sign there that says we're on the right track, but I still feel like we got a long way to go. So I'm ready. I'm wanting to evaluate ourselves. I'm wanting to analyze our relationships with one another and with this community. I'm, I'm wanting to throw away any hindrances or stumbling blocks. Am I with a crowd of people that would be willing to say, I want to trash anything that's not of God? Is there anybody that would agree with me on that? Now, it might be your favorite preference. It might be your favorite little ditty that you keep in your little pocket and you just love with all your heart. Are you sure you're ready to say, Lord, if it was man-made, if it was something that came from tradition, if it was something that has stood in the way of people coming to Christ, then I'm willing to trash it. Are you really willing to say that this morning? And if you are, then we're in complete agreement because I am there. I'm ready to say, God, whatever it is with me, start right here. Whatever I've got to do to get in the place where I'm pleasing to you and I'm standing on a sure footing. I don't want to stand on any other foundation that was laid. No other foundation except the foundation of the one true rock, the Christ Jesus. I want to stand on that rock and I want to pursue until I know that I know that I know. I like the old timers that get up and testify and say, oh, I know that I know that I know. The Lord woke me up this morning. I want that kind of testimony in my life that I know that we are there. I want to be able to say and testify to this community, we love you. We are here to serve you. We are here to reflect the image of the Christ. I want people to know who we are. Because there's nothing grander or greater. There's nothing we can do. I don't want to work outside of what the kingdom is doing. I want to be in. Brother Watkins used to say this years ago. He'd say, we don't pray that God comes down and blesses what we're doing. Many, many churches are praying today for God to bless what they're doing. That's the wrong prayer. The prayer is, Lord, show us what you're doing. And help us to get in on that. 
that's the sure way of understanding and knowing that we're standing on solid footing and the foundation of the rock. I, I got to admit to you, there have been many, many times that this scripture, this verse of scripture has ministered to me as a youth pastor for 18 years and 11 years ago now stepping in as lead pastor, it scared me to death. When I thought about the responsibility, I had no idea what it, what it would entail. I had no idea the burden that goes with it. I, I called Brother Watkins about six, year, or six months after he had retired, and, and I said, you didn't tell me. And he said, tell you what? And I said, you didn't tell me about the burden, the pastoral burden that immediately was transferred to my shoulder. I, I didn't know you carried that. And he said, well, I figured it was best to let you find out yourself. A burden, a heaviness, a weight, many times through stresses and things that happen, things good and things bad, things not, not so hot, things ugly. In 11 years, there have been some great victories, wonderful victories, and there's also been some, some not so great times, stressful times, hurtful times. I have to follow sometimes my own advice that Judy gave me when I was a teenager, when I first walked in this church, she told me the story. She said, now listen, you got to get skin like a turtle. You working in a church, I'm like, no, Judy, everybody's Christians. We all walk around with harps and we, we just sing, you know, hymns all the time. And surely the church world is perfect. I really said that like I was going through puberty all over again. <laughs> she said, no, you work in the church, you work for God. The devil hates you. So you got to get skin like a turtle. She would always describe it. She'd say, you gotta, you got to stay soft like a baby on the inside, but you got to be hard as a rock on the outside. Let the attacks just hit and roll right off. I'm going to write a book on that one day. She used it at every, every place in my life. When I became youth pastor, she came in my office and she said, now don't forget, skin like a turtle. And I said, yes, ma'am. I became pastor 11 years ago. First day, day one, she looked at me. She said, now don't forget. I said, I know, skin like a turtle. She said, more than ever now. <laughs> Boy, is she right. I love this church. I've loved it since I was young. When I walked in that back door at 18 years old, I had no idea I would be right here where I am 28 years later. But I will tell you, my heart's desire and the passion that I have burning in my soul today, on this day, is that we be his church, that we look like the church he intended, that we are the church that he's building. And that means we've got to evaluate our ministries. We've got to evaluate our attitudes, evaluate our worship. We have to evaluate everything so that we understand in a purity in relationship with him that we are pleasing the Lord. I want nothing more than for him to be honored in everything that we do. I've, I've had those dark seasons. I've had those times. And I've had times when I've walked in on Monday morning and in my head, I quit. I've quit a thousand times. Never in my heart, though, but in my head, I've quit. And I can't count how many times those five words we read earlier were the saving grace for me. You say, what five words? I will build my church. See, it's not my job to build the church. It's his. It's his church. And every time there's something too big for me, that's when I say, well, this is yours. And I give it to him. I've learned how to do that. Lord, this one's too big. I, I, I know you trust me as a shepherd and a leader, but this one's too big. I'm giving this one back to you. You build it. The Lord builds his church. He's going to continue to build his church. And if he's building the church, then we are promised that even the very gates of hell will not prevail against it. It can't lose. A church built on the rock, Christ Jesus, can't lose. It's, a, it's a, a strength that comes from heaven. It's a truth that will help us and carry us all the way through. Jesus is building his church. So the question, again, has to change. It's not what makes a great church, but it's are we at Stratford Heights, the church Jesus is building? So what was the original blueprint for the church? What was your idea about the church, Lord, when Peter jumped up and said what he did? 
I want us to truly understand and know what he's speaking to the church. And I guess it comes down to that's number one. Number one is that we have to be a church that understands the revelation. Truly understands the revelation that he is Christ. That he's the son of the living God. That he owns it all. That he has all power. That he's the Christ. That he was not just Jesus, a historical figure. He's the Christ. He's not just a a notable teacher. He is the Christ. He's the faithful intercessor. He's the only way to the Father. He's present wherever two or three are gathered together in his name. He's right there. We don't stand as weeping mourners for the great I was. We stand as the regenerated, powerful, mighty children of the great I am. This truth. It takes us through every dark season and every dark time. We've just got to stand up in a true confidence and not allow the enemy to badger us with discouragement and and depression. And we can't get locked into our circumstances. We have to keep reminding ourselves over and over again every day of our lives that he is the Lord building his church. And we've got to stand in the strength answering that question, who do you say that I am? Many times in my circumstances, I have to stop and go, you are Christ. You are the Lord. I give this back to you, Lord. I give this problem to you. I can't handle this. This is too big for me. I'm coming back to answer that question, who do you say that I am? We're one church. One church. And it's one church. That means we got a lot of unpacking to do. Because sometimes we come from all kinds of different backgrounds and different preferences. As I said, we have a lot of of stuff that we bring to the table. Some of us, you know, we like a certain style of music or a certain style of worship. Sometimes we like a certain style of preaching or teaching. And we like things to be our way and we think that's the only way. It's time for us to truly understand that in submitting ourselves wholly and completely to what God is building, we have to know what God is saying. We can go to Acts chapter 2 in verse 42 through 47. It's like the model for the New Testament church. When we look at that scripture, he talks about us going from house to house, fellowshipping, meeting together. The Bible's clear to point out we need to meet as a church. So we know these are things we must do. Even though the enemy and the post-Christian modern church today will try to tell you differently. We have to be careful. There's, there's no way to, to base your opinions of Christianity based on the liberal theologians or people out there in the world that are trying to give you the advice. It, it comes back to, which is why I'm so thankful that he gave us an absolute truth to look to and to be completely founded upon. The rock that we're talking about was Christ. In the beginning was the word, and the word was Christ. When we understand that this word, alongside of the Holy Spirit at work, our prayer lives and our consistent faithfulness and obedience to God and his word will carry us all the way through to be the church of the kingdom. And when we live and we understand that, then we, we are living out the one church mentality. As we look and we understand that the world will try to change your view, try to turn things around, try to cause you to look differently at the truths that you and I know in our hearts that are right. It will try to change the liberal theologians I talked about. They they literally are trying to change the ideology of of the word of God being not infallible. Trying to share share with you and tell you that, that it's full of errors. You can't buy into those things and don't listen to those things. I still stand to testify to you. This is the inerrant, valuable, treasurable, perfect, God inspired, God breathed word of God. And it is true from cover to cover. It has stood through the tests of time and the fires of trial and tribulation and it will stand long after you and I have left this world. This is the truth. And Christ, Christ is the son of the living God, the one and only way to the Father. There's no other way to the Father but through him. No other name given among men whereby we must be saved. It's the eternal message of Jesus Christ. This is the truth of building on him. 
building the true church. The true church. So thankful that he's moving. That he's moving in our church. That he's touching us. That he is building a church. That he's working. That he's still... Revival is still moving. People will say, well, the church is diminishing around the world. Not the true church. Some churches that are full of form and, and deny the power, that they're dying off. I, I see that. I, I read the stats. But I see yet again a revival that's still moving by the carpenter all across the world. I see revivals breaking out all over the country, all over the southern hemisphere and the northern hemisphere. There's still a great mighty move of God and the power of God because that is that the true church is still founded on Jesus, the rock, and that it will not fail. There will always be a church, always. When you and I understand, you know, this is more, it's more than just living out a, a religious experience and encounter week by week. I'm think, I think the Lord is, is wanting us in this, this foundational principle of Christianity, being the true church, he's wanting us to, to seek deeper, to search more into him and his word how he wants us reflecting him in this present world. We are his bride. We're his bride. Jesus was tested by the Pharisees who looked at him and questioned him, the teachers, and they said, of all the commandments, and you know, there were 613 of them. Ten of the ten commandments, you know, were given by God, but man come along with about 613 total. They looked at Jesus and they dared to test him and say, what do you think are the most important? What is the most treasurable, the, the top, the greatest commandment? And Jesus looked at them and gave them two. And you know, he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul. And love your neighbor as yourself. In this you will fulfill all 613 commandments. Amen. He wants us to understand that it all basically comes back to being built on Him. If we love Him, if we search out Him, if we build on Him, if your marriage is built on him, your relationship with God is built on Christ. If everything you do is built on the truth that he's the Christ. Then you're guaranteed complete and 100% success. He's making us his bride. And it's our responsibility to present ourselves to him. To allow ourselves to become the, the bride of Christ, the, the beautiful church, the body of Christ, that literally the, the reflection and the image of him. So that this world, when they're looking for him, they see him in us. The old song that says, and you've heard me say it before, the, they'll know that the tomb is empty when they see that our hearts are full. You and I are the answer to this world. We carry within us the answer to all the world's problems. Every drug addict, every alcoholic, every sickness, every disease, every war, every trouble and trial, every marriage that's headed to divorce court, all of these folks, the answer is all the same. Jesus. It's Jesus. It's Christ. And we are his body. We are his bride. Can't wait until we stand in the very presence of the Lord. When he comes for his people. And it, I, I see him as, as, as a giddy groomsman, a, a bridegroom. When you think about it, I did a wedding yesterday and, and it was so awesome. Matt and Ashley, they got married and, and, and Matt was a tough guy, man. He was like, you know, I'm not crying. All of his buddies were all dressed up and they were looking at him and they were like, you're going to cry, man. He was just like, no, I'm not going to cry. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, let's get on with this thing. Let's make it happen. He got it, you know, everything was fine. He was tough. He was it. We, we marched him. We didn't want him to see his bride, so we hid him, and we, 
marched him around the side and got him over on the other side to where he couldn't see her because she was right outside and she was there and, and he was starting to get nervous a little bit, but he was like tough and he's not crying, no way. I went outside and I looked at her and I was just like, I walked back in and I just looked at him and I said, I saw her. He wasn't too happy about that, but what was awesome was it was time. And I looked at him and I said, okay, boys, we're getting ready to walk out there. Let's do this thing like we're walking out of Buckingham Palace. I said, we own the place. Let's do this. So we walked out. We walked across the front. We got to the front. We stood there. And as soon as we stood there, tough guy sitting right next to me. And I'm standing center aisle. And his mother comes walking down the aisle. And he's going. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, that's your mom. Through every bridesmaid, through everybody who came down the aisle. <laughs> we're like, here, one of the bridesmaids hands him her Kleenex. And he's like, no, no, don't want that. And finally, the two little kids come down, and they've got the little sign that says, Uncle Matt, your bride is coming. And he is like, <laughs> and the next thing you know, the barn door opens. And here comes the most beautiful bride you've ever seen. I mean, she had been making herself ready. She had been at it. Every hair was in place. She looked gorgeous. She come down that center aisle, and I looked at him, and he was he lost it completely. He's crying. Mom's crying. Grandma's crying. Dude in the fourth row is crying. I look at him, I'm crying, I'm like, this is horrible. Finally, everybody gets down, and the whole wedding is crying. Everybody's all teared up, right? Cindy, you were there, everybody's crying. And, and we're all sitting there, and I even made the comment. I said, okay, this is a very emotional moment for all of us. That's how I started the wedding. But the awesome thing about that, that showed me this beautiful picture of what Jesus is putting together and what he wants what he's trying to mold and shape in us, the righteousness of Christ, the beauty of his sacrifice, the blood covering all of these things are so that he can present us a beautiful bride. And he's giddy. He's giddy over you and I. He wants to present us to the Father. He can't wait for the wedding march. He can't wait for the marriage supper of the Lamb. He can't wait until we're all standing in the grand chamber of God and all of a sudden it's announced the redeemed are here. They're walking through the back door right now. And once we get through that door and we come marching down and the angels of God have to stand off to the side as they look at the redeemed, the saints of God, as we come marching up to our bridegroom. And he looks out and he serves us. The Bible says he takes it and he serves us one more time. One more communion service, but this time it's a celebration of a marriage. This time, we're the bride of Christ, and he, we're ready for honeymoon. We're ready for the marriage. We're ready as we all come together under his covering, and we're living in an eternal reward. This is what he's trying to present in us. This is what he wants from his church now. He wants us to lay aside all of the things of this life and this world, the things that are encumbering us, the things that are causing us to stumble and to struggle. He's wanting us to abandon ourselves completely when the old song says, I surrender all, I surrender all, all to thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender He's doing that. He's anointed someone to write that song. And from the very portals of glory in heaven, Jesus is looking down to a Suzette and he's saying, oh, come on. Come on, church. Believe me. Come on, Christians. I've covered you in the blood. I've paid the sacrifice. I rose up from the dead and walked out of the tomb. Everywhere I walked in town, graves were bursting open. That same power is in you today. So why do we struggle? Why do we lay down and die? Why do we quit over and over and over again when we have been given the empowerment of the might master builder we have the blueprint right in front of us how to be victorious how to live and conquer and the very gates of hell are not meant to prevail against you because you and I we are the church 
Man, that makes me excited. Somebody tell that preacher to settle down. He gets way too excited. He gets way too dramatic. You better believe it. Because I am not in this thing for religion. I'm not in this thing to just sit in some church for a couple of hours a week and do my duty. I'm not here to just pay my tithe and be in attendance and come and fellowship and make plans with you all. I love you, but you are not why I'm here. I'm here because I believe in the Son. I believe in the Holy Ghost. I believe in the Father who is on the throne. And I believe he's coming very soon. And I believe in the power for you and I to live victorious. So grow up. We need to grow up. We've been given all the tools. We've been given everything that we need. We have the power of the universe inside of our spirits. We've been made new creatures in Christ. We're victorious through him, overcomers through his blood. His sacrifice, he loved us enough to leave heaven's throne in order to live and walk among us and give to us the ability to live victorious. Why? Why do we sit back in defeat? Why do we walk like we owe somebody an apology for our conservatism? Whatever that is. Conservatism. That stuff. Why? Why do we walk seemingly down in the dumps? Why do we let the world look down on us? Why? Do we live in such defeat? Let me tell you something. There is not a devil in hell that isn't afraid of the trembling power of the Holy Spirit at work. There isn't a devil in hell that doesn't run in fear when you and I begin to stand up in the strength and the power of our risen Savior and Master Builder. When we understand he's taken your mind through the helmet and he's taken your righteousness and put on a breastplate. When you understand he's given you and I the sword of the Spirit and our feet shod. He's given us all of the weapons, the best of truth that'll be the rock we stand on when you understand he's given you all that you need to be victorious and to stand in offense when the enemy comes at you like a flood you have all you need to be a standard against them you are the church so we're one church we're one church under the banner of heaven We're one church united together with brothers and sisters from Australia to Europe to Russia to South America and to Mexico and to every other place on the earth. We are connected to our family, our church, the one church all around the world. We are one church. We are one church. I want a church that resembles, a church that that isn't stuck in being needy, spoiled brats. You've sat on the pew for 50 years. Well, church just doesn't, doesn't have what I need. Well, if they just had this ministry, if they just had that ministry, if they just do this, if they just do that. 25 years. I want you to understand that he's made you stronger than you think. He's given you power to stand. Power to overcome. Power to come into the room, Cameron, and give to take all the time. To walk into a room and not drain the room. Some people are anointed with the gift of drainage. They walk into a room and they just take, 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 take. Pull, 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 pull. I'm so needy. The only problem is that doesn't look like the church Jesus was building. I asked somebody this morning, we were talking about some things, I said, Does your lost family, when they're looking at your life, do they want what you got? The person was honest. They said, you know what? No. They don't want anything to do with what I got. 
And that's not the church Jesus intended. Jesus meant, and I'm going to close, help me Gary. Jesus meant for us in the earth to be his bride. To be his bride. Something old, something blue. Every little hair in place. He meant for us to be able to walk into a room and be attractive. That when we walk into a room, Lorraine, we walk in and people are like, what does she have? What is it about her? When we're gracious and we're kind, when we greet one another, when we share with one another, we take care of our brothers and our sisters. The world should be looking at the bride of Christ going, this is so attractive. Look how beautiful they are. Look how amazing they are. Look how they carry themselves. Look how they, man, it's so good to see you. Stand up, Brenda. She was just a bride. And my goodness, she was so beautiful. She walked out on that beach. We were all there, freezing weather. But you know what? <laughs> as soon as we saw Tasha, every one of us was just like, it might as well have been 80 degrees. We didn't think about nothing except how beautiful you were. So glad you're home. We miss you. But she was that beautiful bride. There's something about the bride. I mean, she's, she gets there early. She hides herself away. And she, everybody's helping her. Usually there's like five, six girls that are all over you. I mean, you know, I used to talk about Bambi, you know, bringing the ribbons and, and the little rabbits and the, the birds flying around. tying. I mean, it's like a bridal room is like nobody's allowed anywhere near that. It is the royal chamber. Man, you ought to see when she walks out. Woo! Awesome. Gorgeous. Beautiful. And when the Lord wanted to describe you and I, the body of Christ, he said, You're my bride. You're my bride. And I'm your husband. When I'm done with you, when, when you've made yourself ready, I'm coming for you. And boy, we're going to have ourselves one more wedding. He's getting ready to come. Can you almost feel midnight? Lamps trimmed. Oil. We're getting ourselves ready. I want him to get this church ready. It's my passion and my cry this morning that he will touch us, Beth that we'll be the church he intended us to be. If you've sat back and you've thought, oh, I don't know. I, I just don't know about Stratford. I don't know. I'll, I'll give it another week. Man, join us. Getting on our face. Saying, God, what do you want us to be? Because, see, we're not going to stop until we become the church that he meant. That day when Peter jumped up. You're the Christ. Jesus said, I'm going to build my church on that. I want to be that church. I need prayer partners. I need people that will say, Michelle, I need people that will join. That will say, we're with you, Pastor. We're not going to stop until we get there. We're going to find out what he meant when he said, I'm going to build my church on that. We're going to find out what he meant when he said, the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. We're going to find out what he meant when he said, I'm going to present her like a beautiful bride. I want to know what it's like to look like I'm going, boy, you think I don't want to see a wedding. I want to be, I want to look like I'm going to a wedding. I want him to work on me. I want him to work on us. Stand with me. Touch us today, Lord. Lord, we get our eyes we get our eyes on our circumstances. We get our eyes on the world. We start measuring and evaluating and looking at everything in the eyes of the flesh. He said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed that to you. Get your eyes off of what you see around you.
Get your eyes off of the stuff. Get your eyes back, back on the one that we're building the church on. As we do, there'll be no stopping this church. There'll be no, no devil can stop this church. There will be nothing that will keep us from turning this city upside down before he comes. Who's all in? Amen. With every head bowed and every eye closed, you first got, you know, before you can get married, you got to have a relationship. Who here today would say, Pastor, I, I need to get things right with Jesus. I can't look forward to this wedding you're talking about. I can't be a bride if I, if I don't even have a relationship. If you need Jesus this morning, you need things to be right in your life, would you just, we're going to pray a prayer in just a moment, but I'm going to ask who we're praying with. If you're here and you need Jesus in your life, things to be right, just slip up your hand and write back down. God bless you. God bless you, sir. God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else? God bless you, ma'am. I see you. God bless you, sir. Anyone else? Wait in just a few seconds. Lots of hands going up. I want to be... I want to be included in this. I want in the relationship. I want to find out what the power of God can do in my life. I followed after church for a long time, and that was the wrong thing. I got to follow after Christ. That's what brings the change of life. Who's here yet that needs to make things right with Jesus? Are you here? Many hands have went up. Is there one more? Is there anyone else we're waiting on? God bless you. I see you. Thank you. How thrilling, how amazing, how awesome the church Jesus is building. And now heaven is already starting to roar with the cheering and the rejoicing. We're going to pray this prayer. and The prayer is not magic. It's not special words. I'm just going to help you pray from your heart. If you mean this from your heart, the Bible says if you believe in your heart and you speak with your mouth, you confess him with your mouth. And you're saved. It's that simple. Jesus didn't make it hard. He just wants your heart. Give him your heart today with these words. And your entire life is going to change immediately, starting now. Let's pray this prayer together. If you raised your hand, pray it with us. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. I accept you as my Savior. You are the Son of God. You died on the cross. You rose from the dead. You purchased my salvation with your blood. I make you Lord of my life today. I believe you in my heart. And I confess it now with my mouth. According to your word, I'm born again. I'm saved. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Praise God. We need to rejoice because heaven is rejoicing. And I got a feeling that they rejoice differently than we do because I have a feeling they know how much more important and more valuable it is. We tend to not grasp completely. What I'm praying for over the next little while, Sister Charlotte, is that he will help us to grasp what it truly means to be the bride. What it truly means to be the bride of Christ. Help me pray about it. Help me over the next several weeks as we unpack all of these different messages. Pray with me about being one church and being the bride of Christ. Father, we come to you. We thank you. I pray over our church. I pray over our people. I pray that you will minister to every heart and life. May there truly be a desire, a hunger down deep inside each one of us to go deeper for you. That, Lord, we will search out what it truly means to be the body of Christ, the bride of Christ. Touch us today. Challenge us. And, Lord, as we come back tonight at the appointed hour, we pray, Lord, you'll help us in our hearts to receive the word of God. And we pray your blessings on Pastor Jones as he'll be speaking. Let the word of God come to us in richness and power. We honor you today and we thank you. 
In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Don't forget, we have reception. Cameron, if you'll take our special guests out, and uh, they'll be waiting for you down in the atrium. Please go by. Take a few minutes. I know you might have to wait a, a few minutes. Please do that. Shake their hand and welcome them official to Stratford Heights Church of God. God bless you. We'll see you tonight at 6 o'clock.